Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN merch button click on that it'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that hey on the swag that i'm using it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear sports history network and my favorite podcaster the sports history network store shop there today blog talk radio Tonight, we'll go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, for one more yard game, for one final score that would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to gridiron greats football history and its memorabilia on the gridiron greats publishing and broadcasting network. We're live from the Southport, North Carolina home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at GridironGreatsMagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Largan. Yep. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Jeff Squires, Jeff. Welcome to the show this evening. Ah, Captain, it's so good to be back. That's me, Steve Largent, Red Grange. You nailed it. <laughs> the opposite and ends of the hobby spectrum. It's iconic in the beginning history of the game toward the more advanced modern game. It's very yeah, unique, definitely. to say the least. Yeah, but most, I want to lead uh, off tonight. NFL historians wrap it up around '89 when Larger retired. Yeah, I would agree with you. <laughs> I want to lead off tonight. Some incredible wax was auctioned Man. off over the past two weeks, and a rumor has it my co-host 
was able to <laughs> obtain a few packs. So I'm going to hand off to you, and let's uh, go forward with this. I, I, I've mentioned I've been getting back into unopened wax a little bit. I've I've drifted and drifted away and come back, and it's such a nostalgic part of the hobby for me. And we had two big auctions ending over the weekend, uh, and uh, one of them, Robert Edward, Edward Auctions, REA, uh, Brian Dwyer, the president of REA, was on the Gridiron Greats podcast, what, about six months ago, Bob? Correct. I think so. Yep. Obviously, a very successful auction this go due to the Gridiron bump, we might add. But uh, <laughs> tip of the hat, just a really good, uh, just, I mean, you know, a, a 52 tops uh, wax pack baseball sold for – uh, eighty-seven thousand plus the twenty percent. So what would that be? It'd be a hundred thousand dollars for a nickel pack from nineteen fifty-two. If I you could go that's back and be the record, got to be the record for any pack in baseball. That's my gut feeling. I don't think anything broke a hundred thousand. I'm not sure though. Huh? I'd be very curious. Is there a hundred? Yeah, I got to do some uh, research. Fifty-eight tops cello, PSA seven. Sold for ninety six hundred dollars. That includes the buyer's premium. I did the math, uh, and fifty eight cello always tends to be in that six to eight range. So, uh, you know, pretty cool to see that going strong. I haven't seen a fifty eight tops wax pack uh, sell in a while. There was an ungraded one on eBay about a month ago. Fifty seven tops football nickel pack, twin baloney, sold for about forty five or about four thousand, which is in the range. 1960 Fleer, but the one I really wanted to draw a note to, which is uh, the one I mentioned on VFC, was 1967 Philly football wax pack. Yes, graded PSA 9, which is pretty high, but it sold for $9,250. So throw in another 1800 buyer's premium, you're looking at $11,000 for a nickel pack. That's two years and, older than me. And that... That I don't, I do not understand in any way, shape, or form why that why that pack went as high as it did. I mean, uh-huh. I, I opened I opened sixty five, sixty seven, sixty uh, sixty five, sixty six, sixty seven Philly when I was a kid. Those were nickel packs. I don't know who a would be in the pack to drive it. Number one, but number two, yes. even though even though it's PSA nine, I I just I just can't comprehend why that pack went as high as it did, uh-huh. but it did. A sixty-four Philly, uh, a sixty-four Philly nickel pack graded PSA nine, three years older than that one, went for seventeen fifty, or about twenty-two hundred dollars, yep. including a buyer's premium. Yeah, so I don't. I, nearly, I nearly don't a fourth. Yeah, I really. That's the one I that really, really don't get it. Yep. I got a feeling whoever was after the sixty-seven Philly pack um, either needed it for a run that uh, he was completing of wax packs in higher grade or was trying to get the last Philly pack for his run. I, I honestly don't know. The, I can't comprehend why that went as high as it did. It's an incredible sign yep. for the hobby. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't get it. I truly don't get it. Yeah. So. Some good runs. 55 Bowman nickel pack, PSA 6, went for 2500 including the buyer's premium. Uh, just some good prices. A uh, first series unopened wax uh, box, 1972 tops. First series, excuse me, 24 packs sealed went for 9,600. 
26 packs you're talking about. There are 24 packs divided by 9,600. 300 a pack. That's pretty good. Uh, Just good, all in all, good, strong prices for wax packs. I mean, heck, uh, you know, I I get down into my alma mater, the 1979 Tops, a PSA 8, 1979 Tops pack, which would be a quarter, went for 225. So throw in another 25, so it's 250 bucks. Imagine that. Unbelievable. Maybe some of this is how long it takes to get a pack graded nowadays. So, I mean, even for me, I don't look at a pack as going, oh, that's a nickel, you know, and, you know, I, I don't take, mm-hmm. you know, a 79 tops box and say I can get that for 2,500 divided by 36. Okay, a pack's about 60 or 70 bucks, and then it costs 25 to get graded. You don't really think like that anymore. Now you think, okay, it's $30, and it's going to take me 9 to 12 months to get. So I I think you nailed it up above where it's like somebody wanted to complete the run now, and they didn't want to wait. Right, right. And I get, and I know, I I look at the 79 wax pack there, and again, to date myself, what I talk about in my day and what I saw can't can't be comprehended by a lot of people today because they they don't believe that at one time in the early 80s you could buy a a 1979 wax box on a clearance a year or two later for five or ten dollars a box yeah and a lot of a lot of collectors were very hesitant to buy it because what are they going to do with it other than open it and put car you know and and try to make another set or whatever type of thing anyone who had foresight and and bought it and just put it away obviously was able to get an incredible rate of return on their investment. But at the same time, whoever had the foresight back then to say, okay, this is in limited quantity. Not every 1979 Topps wax box was saved. Therefore, how many were actually saved over the years? Obviously, 80s, 70s, late 70s, 80s, and 90s wax boxes were much more saved than, that, than the 60s or the 70s ones, early yeah, 70s totally. ones. But still, at, totally the at the same time, I mean, you can't—I can't comprehend what's going on with us, you know. But you're correct in what you're saying. It's probably the PSA grade bump that everybody's looking at right now. That it's a lot cheaper to buy an already made, already graded pack than to try yeah. to buy it and then try to get it graded somewhere, you know. Well, and it's a two-step process to get a pack graded. It's got to go to PSA. They got to box it to ship it to Steve Hart at BBCE. Right. Obviously, Steve right. Hart's business is doing well because of him being on the podcast, the Gridiron Bump, uh, this year. So it's nice to see Steve's <laughs> business get a you know, Gridiron Bump. But it's got to go to PSA. It's got to get boxed up. It's got to get cataloged. It's got to get sent to Steve Hart. He's got to grade it. Better tell them what the number is, the grade number, authenticate it, mail it back to PSA, who's then got to slab it and then got to send it to you. I mean, th- that's a complicated yeah. process. And that's a lot of shipping, that's Correct. a lot of handling, that's a lot of getting jostled around. Yep, yep, I agree, so, I agree. But again, but, I, I, I don't know, I, I, I can't see in a way, I do see in a way and I don't see in a way, you've got a graded pack of cards. So basically, the only way you're going to open it, if you really want to op- open those cards, you've got to break open the pack, you've got to you know, unseal it, then you've got to open the pack itself, and then you got to see what cards you got in there, and that's it. So it's a, it's an amazing game in a way, but also yeah. I understand 
a unopened wax pack collection because I used to have one um, unopened wax packs from 1975 to the current year until I sold them off. But I never thought in any way, shape, or form to get them graded. You know what I mean? And uh, I yeah. can still remember one of our dinner dinners years ago at a national. I brought a 76 wax pack with me. I opened it, and it was a bunch of comments. There was nobody there. <laughs> nobody in the pack that, that was really of any value. If I had huh. gotten it graded, you know, been the uh, the uh, pandemonium over a Peyton rookie, and would have driven the price of up of it uh, accordingly. That's the same time. It's amazing. It's well, amazing. Uh, amazing. Area I wonder what this is going to do for, for the unopened market. Because if a if a wax pack, because you know you can buy a, let's just let's just use a, you know, a seventy nine that we were just talking about. So you can buy a box, yeah, yeah. a BBC sealed box of seventy nine tops for about two thousand twenty five hundred. Well, if a pack mm-hmm. is worth two fifty, and there's thirty six of them in there, that's nine thousand dollars. So you, you really there's you, you know the the sum of the components you know for, formula from business school right. here. You buy a BBC sealed verified box. With 36 packs, you send it to PSA and say, "Please, o- send, please open this box and grade all 36 packs." They send you 36 packs. Yeah. You put them up on eBay for the, you know, for the, you know, fire sale of 200 each. Well, that's 7,200 dollars. You just made 5,000 dollars less grading fees, obviously. But you know, you right. know, right. are, are we, we going to start seeing a lot more of that? Or you can break I, it up? I would, I would, I would sense that may be happening in the long run, and again, if um, PSA has lesser waiting times, it would be more prevalent, but I think, you know, like you said originally, if it's 9 to 12 months to get it graded, this is a long-term project that you're going to tie up, let's say, five dollars $6,000 worth of your investing. Is it really worth doing that type of thing? I really don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Again, the hobby... The hobby goes in so many different ways and so many different, um, for lack of a better term, fads. Is this a passing fad or is this the real thing that we're going to see? Are we going to see two to three hundred, four hundred dollar packs from the early '80s into the '70s? Is it going to be maintained down the road, or is it, you know, just a, a, another bubble that's happening in the hobby? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I, I can't. I don't have a good handle and grip on this. The only thing I'm going to argue is that, yeah there is a limited amount of of product in the market. There's a limited amount of true unopened material in the market. You know that as well as I do. So that's going to impact the market down the road, and that will impact the prices in the market at the same time. So uh, it's it's true. But I'm having a good time. You know, bought another wax, you know, box. uh, And and you're going to laugh at this. I you know, in my office, you know, I've mentioned I have uncut sheets, you know, that I've framed and hung on the wall. And as I've been buying wax boxes, I've been kind of putting them in weird spots, you know, like hanging them on it, putting them on a shelf in my office. And uh, about three, four weeks ago, I saw, you know, somebody had a wax, pop, wax packs, you know, displayed in a, you know, in a glass case hanging on the wall. I'm like, that's kind of cool. And then I came across right. a couple right. wax packs and I bought them. And I'm in the hunt looking for a glass display that I'll carry. So I'm going to have to reach out to some people who have that display. Because so, most of them are for a mm-hmm. PSA card, but the wax packs are a little bit taller. Mm-hmm. 
I decided to start a run of graded wax packs and then put them in a little glass display in my office hanging on the wall. I'm, I'm really, really enjoying the nostalgia of the hobby and buying the stuff that I was used to as a kid and putting it on a wall. I mean, it just when people come right. into my office, they're like, that's kind of cool. It's just, it's not just, you know, and I'm really enjoying it because years ago I just used to put this stuff, you know, in a closet because I was afraid it'd get damaged or stolen. Right. Or something and now I just kind of like you know what I'm gonna, I'm going to enjoy this stuff every damn day and I love it. Right, right. That's great, and that's that's what the hobby is about. I mean, to actually display mm-hmm. things, look at things, view things, and um, you know, again, a lot of memories that you have from your your childhood. And and I can always say this, you know, if push came to shove and I liquidated everything that I had, I probably would never liquidate my 1960 to 1969 sets, memorabilia, publications, so on and so forth, because that's yeah. a hobby for me. That's my, that's my greatest memory is that 10-year that yeah. period. More so the years 65 to 68, which were my, you know, most, literally the, the childhood memories of going and buying packs, buying mat, sports magazines, and so on and so forth. Yep. And uh, yep. that that's the greatest greatest part of the hobby is you know you're you're remembering your your youth in a lot of cases and it's a it's it's it's, and it's what it's all about at the same time but i I can see i can see now what a uh, longtime rapper collector told me back in the 1980s mike richardson was a was an incredible collector of sports card wrappers of all sports and display boxes and and he said to me it has to have been probably 19, I want to say 86, 87. I started corresponding with him, and he says at some point you'll grow tired of cards and you'll want to start collecting the wrappers and the display boxes. And I had said to oh. I, I, you know, I, I still had a lot of wrappers that I had collected over the years from actually when I bought the packs, and I put them away. It would, you know, somehow saved one of them a couple of years back, you know, later 70s, early 80s. I'd open up a wax box. I saved all the wrappers, so on and so forth. So long story short, we traded for, uh, I traded a bunch of stuff with him for wrappers I needed, so on and so forth. And I, and when he said that to me at that time, I, I really didn't put a lot of thought into it. But, you know, looking back at yeah, it now, it almost 40 years, late, 40 years later, it's incredible to think, you know, there aren't a lot of wrapper and display box collectors out there or unopened wax pack collectors out there. For a variety of reasons, too difficult to collect, yeah. and and B the cost it becomes cost prohibitive now, especially now with with you know graded wrapper, uh, graded uh, wax packs and the like. Packs, yeah. So, but it's, oh, it's you're absolutely right. It's an incre- an incredible part of our hobby. It really is. It's very very yeah. uh, very very interesting. Very very distinct to say the least. So. Well, I'm I'm happily very, getting back, waiting, slowly dipping my toe back into the you know the the wax pack, you know, part of the hobby, and I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm digging it. Good, good. It's a it's a it's a great great collection. I mean, uh, it's it's really fun to look at. And again, uh, your case, you know, you bought a lot of late seventies, early eighties stuff. That's your that's your yep. childhood memory. So that's what it's all about. At the same time. Yep. Sorry, our uh, special guest is here. I like to introduce him and uh, get on with our next segment of our program. Our special guest tonight currently resides in Edmond, Oklahoma with his wife and three children. 
has worked in local government for nearly a decade after spending a decade working in college sports. His hobbies include collecting antique football memorabilia, travel, and attending and watching sporting events and serving in the community. I'd like to welcome to our show this evening, Mr. Casey Moore. Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Joe. It's it's really a pleasure to join you. Outstanding. Thank you. Thanks for being on. And I'm going to lead off, Casey, by asking you, how did you get started uh, in collecting football artwork and football memorabilia? Well, it's it's kind of funny. It's it's a it's a long circle. It feels like, but uh, like like everyone else, I started collecting cards when I was a kid, and and it was fun listening to you guys talk about uh, opening and and buying all the unopened stuff. I, I very much remember the first cards. First cards I bought were 1986 Topps football, and um, wow. I still have some of still have some of those in the collection. They are uh, they are rough, but uh, they 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 have a, a special bond. And then I got hooked just in time for the junk wax era. So um, we uh, we we had a uh, I worked in a card shop as a kid for a little bit, and and blew every penny that they gave me that they gave me. Uh, on cards, and then, uh, like most everyone else, got to uh, got to my teen years, and it, it all it all went away, and, and I got interested in other things. Um, but really, uh, the the seeds of collecting um, football art and memorabilia uh, really started when I was in college. I kind of kind of really just kind of reintroduced myself to the hobby. Um, the biggest, I think the biggest factor for me was uh, in grad school, I was getting a master's degree at Wichita State in um, sport administration. I had a uh, class where I got to do an independent study, and I had to do some, essentially, for a, a lack of a better term, book reports. And uh, one, one book that I did uh, was a book called For Pride, Profit, and Patriarchy. And um, it really it talked about the early days of, of football, especially college football. Um, hmm. and, and I just got hooked on the history, and, and, and I devoured that book. And, and uh, just the, the stories that, that I, was, I was reading. And so then, of course, I want to start looking these people up. And then I end up on eBay, and I'm like, oh, look, I can buy this and this and this. And um, as, I, as I started doing that, I, I, I really gravitated kind of to some lower-end stuff because I was in college, didn't have a whole lot of money, and um, I, I think I figured out pretty quick that I liked the artwork on things. So uh, the, the, the T-51 Murads um, were some of the first things that I bought, uh, specifically the football cards. Um, and then there's, there's a handful of, of postcards uh, from that same era, really kind of 1910 to 1920. Um, I, I spent years and years collecting those things, um, and, and mainly because I didn't have a lot of room to, to display anything. Uh, in the last few years, um, I don't have a man cave like I've seen so many great people that have. Uh, but in the, in the last few years, my wife has been kind enough to allow me to start to uh, uh, have a place to, to put some things. So I started buying bigger things. And uh, man, I'm 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 hooked at this point, and and collecting really um, a lot of display pieces, posters. Um, it's it's kind of called the golden age of illustration. So there's a handful of artists that I collect of these, these college posters, and they're beautiful. They're very rare, especially compared to card population. So that's that's my my number one uh, thing that I'm looking at right now, and it's hard to find, but the hunt is is really fun. Yeah. 
Wow. So I can just hear the passion in your voice. Yeah, I love that. Uh, man, it, it, thanks for coming on, Casey. I appreciate it. And thank you really for sending over those pictures I asked for. You know, when we start talking about people's pride and joy, their baby, their collection, it's always fun to just see, you know, see the collection in its natural habitat, I guess. And I, sure. I absolutely loved the display case, you know, the tall cabinet you had over, you had, you sent over with, uh, you, you know, you know, some of the cards, like the, it looks like the Murads. And, uh, yeah, some of the, some of the larger the, ones are in there. Yes. Yeah. Just incredible. I mean, just and love it. Just, you, you have a passionate, you know, you know, a passion for your collection. Obviously you live, you know, the home of Bright Path, uh, you know, where, where Jim Thorpe, so you're in, you know, you're definitely in football territory. Uh, you know, tell our tell our audience, uh, you know, a few things about your your artwork, your your Thorpe collections, your Olympic collections, you know, stuff like that. Just some of the stuff you sent pictures over. Of. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you you nailed it right on the head. In fact, I, Edmund is uh, less than an hour away from uh, Yale, Oklahoma, the birthplace of Jim Thorpe, and so. Uh, you grow up in this state, and everyone everyone knows who Jim Thorpe is, and and um, knows oh, wow. knows the history and the, and the stories. And so, yeah, that's that's one of the the first things when you start thinking, oh, I'm going to collect I'm going to collect antique football stuff and memorabilia and cards. Mm-hmm. Well, if if you're from here, you start looking for Thorpe Thorpe items. Um, for me, you know, again, I'm. And, and I never knew this about myself. I love the history, and, and, and I will spend so much time researching everything. But uh, when it comes to looking at the collection and enjoying it, like you were talking about earlier and putting things on display, yep. Um, yep. I love the artwork. And so um, I, I collect I, I, I collect kind of ancillary and obscure Thorpe items, um, more foreign-type pieces, um, and, and a lot of you know a lot of the best stuff is is kind of built around his his 1912 uh, Olympics triumphs and so you know th- there is there is a fair amount of football stuff out there and baseball stuff out there and I have some of those in my collection but nice. some of the stuff that I that I really enjoy um, it revolves around you know his obvi- obviously he had such a worldwide reach and and this huge thing when he became the greatest athlete in the world in 1912 so. There were things that were being produced, you know, for years and years after that um, that, that recognized his achievements. So, um, probably the, the neatest Thorpe item that I have is a a, a, a print from a 1912 French magazine. Um, I don't have it up on display because I can't bring myself to remove it from the magazine. I I, I can't uh, I can't destroy something. So, it's a cool item that I wish I had on display and I could look at all the time. Uh, but I can't bring myself to to take the magazine apart. And then I've I've just got a bunch of random items like that 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 make me happy and you know aren't the most expensive Thorpe items. I'd love to have some of those. And I've got a few on my on my want list someday. But uh, yeah, I just I just like to find things that are that are unique and and you know are fun to look at. Good for you. Good for you. That's the way yeah. it should be, man. I like it. Yeah, and. It, and then you know you'd mentioned also the you know the the posters that that's that's what what I'm really into more than anything and those college posters are are hard to find and and they display beautifully and thankfully my wife likes them because I may be the only person uh-huh. in the world that uh, his his wife allows him to display his collection in the master bedroom so oh, um, 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we've kind of all those pictures I sent you are in our master bedroom. She kind of she kind of said, yeah, we can have like a, a an early 1900s dorm room feel. I said, sure, let's do it. And, and I was I was beyond excited. Uh, I did see a mirror that's cool. on that wall, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that that's that's something that you won't find in most homes in America. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Huh. That's that's cool. All right, now I'm looking for the intimate stuff here in the picture. I'm looking looking for the yeah. You cropped out the nightstand stuff, so good job, well done. Yeah, yeah. I made I, I made sure to to focus on the collection. Absolutely, Joe. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to make that mistake with me. Uh, I'll run with exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Casey, I know you got so much stuff in your collection, and looking at those photos of, of the items, I mean, they're just they're just some great items. Can you narrow down for our audience what you consider to be your top five items in your collection, and if you can describe them to our audience at the same time? Oh, five items, sure. Um, you know, the the nice thing about, you know, what I wouldn't say the nice thing, the exciting thing about collecting uh, these display items is, you know, you it's you feel like it's such a victory when you actually win something because they're so hard to find. Yeah. And then, and then when you do find them, there's there's not a lot of people that collect them, but they're neat, and so people will bid on them. And 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 um, actually, number one, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it because even though I don't have it in hand yet, I just bought um, three posters uh, by an artist named Bristow Adams, and these are the these are the college posters that that really grabbed me and pulled me into this part of the hobby. And and to be honest, I've I've come up short on them many times over the years. Um, and so I, this last weekend, I, I just happened upon an auction at the right time and reached out and, and got the deal done. And I'm waiting. They're supposed to be here tomorrow. So you didn't even oh, see wow. them in the, uh, you didn't even see them in the pictures yet, but uh, um, you got three of these posters, two are football, one is track and field. And and I've I've done research on these things for 20 years, and I I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that's psychotic enough to have a database of all these and and uh, image examples of almost all of them. Um, so I know what I'm looking for, and 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 um, so I've got three coming in tomorrow. Uh, one is West Point, one is Annapolis, both are football, and then uh, Harvard track and field. And they're they're just incredibly tough to find. Um, you all know Where'd you find them? Uh, there was an eBay find. Got on at the right oh, time, nice. made the right oh, offer, oh. and and oh, I'm yeah. still holding my breath, waiting for them to show up tomorrow. So, um, but uh, you, you all know Scotty Auden, who's a, a very advanced uh, Army West Point collector, and he got he got the West Point poster last year, and it had been number one on his want list for years and years. And so cool. these things are tough; they're tough to find. So that's that's number one on on my on my uh, list. Uh, num- number two, uh, I've got a, a great poster by an artist named Hibbard Klein. Um, he did a series of posters uh, football. There's a handful of football, and then there's some baseball. There's rowing and some others. 1910, 1911. Um, I've got I've got one. I've loved. I've, I've, that's real high on my list. I'd love to find more. This one is, is titled Clear. Um, it's 22 by 28, so it's a really big poster, um, and and it, it's just beautiful art. And so that's that's number two. That would have been number one. 
uh, if you would ask me before I made this purchase last week. Um, right. Number three, uh, I've got a big poster, 22 by 28 by J.C. Leindecker, who's a very famous artist and, and um, very, very highly sought after. Um, it's it's a um, poster that, that also hangs there in the room and, and displays really well. Um, number four, I've got a, a what's called a yard print. These are all college posters. This one's called a yard print. It hangs above the bed. Um, so it's almost four feet long. Um, it's it's by an artist, Moses Blumenthal, and uh, also from 1910 era, 1909, I believe, for this poster. And it's, it's a scene of a, a coach kind of getting after his team in the locker room. And it's a it's a glimpse into the into what halftime might have looked like uh, 110 <laughs> years ago. And it, you know, the colors on it are End of end of the first half, no score. Giving them blank. And the, what I love is in this exactly. there's a dude laying on the ground, you know, in, in the locker room, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's a yeah, good one. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 just a neat piece. And then I've got I've got a couple of paintings actually that uh, not by not by famous artists, but uh, are paintings. What's interesting is they're paintings of art that are done by famous artists. So uh, one is one is a, from a, a piece of art that John Sheridan, who's, who's one of these artists of the, the same era, um, did for a, a, a magazine called Sunset, and, and uh, it's two Stanford players. Somebody, somebody painted this probably, I'm guessing, in the 30s based upon the frame that it came in. Um, and it's a it's a fantastic reproduction, and so I've got that uh, painting. Uh, it's a 16 by 20, and then recently I got another painting. Um, it, it's a it's a guy punting a ball. He's in what I think is is probably the Chicago Maroons um, uniform, and that is actually a reproduction of a of a, a Lion Decker painting um, that he had done earlier. So those, I mean, I've got lots of other items that are great. I've got items. You know they're smaller, but I'm so into the display pieces. Those those are what I would call my top five. Hmm. Which one of those is your favorite? I'm, I'm fans back and forth, and I'm just I'm sorry, really you, enjoying you cut, my... you, you cut oh, out. I, I didn't hear that. Which one? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bob. I, I just got a quick question. A little off script on your posters. How difficult and for how easy is it to frame them and and do like a limit as far as what you're going to frame and what you won't frame because of the age of it. I, I'm just curious about that. Sure. No, absolutely. Um, honestly, what I have found is a lot of the time they come in period frames. The ones that I'm finding, um, they're already framed. And so typically what I will do is when I get those, I will I will take them apart. I'll take them out of the frame. Um, I will I'll try to if there's anything that needs to be cleaned up or anything that looks like it it could could possibly damage the poster. I'll try to fix mm-hmm. that. Um, I'll I'll make sure and remove anything. You know, a lot of these things come with cardboard backing, which is terrible for posters because of the acid. Um, so I'll remove that, put an acid-free backing on everything, try to protect it. And then if it comes in a frame, I, I love leaving it in the frame. Um, so I'll, you know, do everything I need to do, frame it back up and hang it on the wall as is. Um, otherwise, you know, you it, they can come in varying degrees of, of disarray and, and, and condition, just like cards can. But they, they can be 
they can definitely be fragile depending on what sort of life they've lived. Um, but putting them in a frame, in, in, in a proper frame, is, is definitely um, much better for them than, than any other way to have them. And so, you know, we don't, have any, we don't have any UV rays coming into our bedroom. It's all LED lighting, and so um, that's a good thing for them, too. I mean, I'm okay. looking at these. I'm, I'm like, these are all so colorful and so old-school cool. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm like, God, I, I dig them. Um, I, I love the the collage. You have like ten of them on one wall, you mm-hmm. know, like outing and two guys crouching. But I mean, uh, by a poster says down. But I think my favorite is there's a, a guy wearing a red jersey kicking a football, and there's a C on the jersey. And I, I think I like that yeah. just because it looks like a Carlisle jersey. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one that I said may I thought maybe was Chicago, but absolutely could be Carlisle. And that one is that one yeah. is a painting. Um, that yeah, that's a painting. Um, it's a reproduction of uh, something that J.C. Leindecker had done that that is a little bit more famous. It was used on the cover of a, a magazine, but um, it's yeah, it's really neat. In fact, that's one that I haven't had that long, and so that's that's one of my newer additions to the collection. Oh, cool. Right on. Uh, so you, you mentioned in your bio when you emailed it over, you know, that you work in local government. So immediately my mind went to uh, Parks and Rec, and I imagine you kind of was Ron Swanson. You know, Ron Swanson taking a sip of Lagavulin 16, and I'm like, all right, well, the guy collects football cards, works in local government. He's got to be Ron Swanson. So uh, I, I, don't have a, I don't have the awesome mustache, but uh, I, I would love to be Ron Swanson. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Actually, you know, whenever I, you know, when I was watching that, I was just always thinking of Bob, you know, with the mustache and just that demeanor where it's just, you know, give it or take, you know, give or take it, you know. Um, but just, you know, what you collect, just where you live, I mean, just you, you've got to have some stories just because, I mean, being in Oklahoma, you know, the, the, you know, the, the hot seat of, you know, Jim Thorpe, like you said, everybody knows who that is. Does the stuff come out of the woodworks? Are you more privy to, you know, good Thorpe stuff? Just what are some stories you can share? Well, I, you know, what's funny is I feel like it's actually the opposite. And I think part of that has to do with just the, the age of our state. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're a newer state in comparison to a lot of others. And so um, I have a hard time finding, especially the really old stuff. It's hard to find around here. Um, so, you know, a lot of my best collecting stories, um, yeah, since you can't really find a lot of things around here, antique stores is, is kind of where I, where I have, have a lot of luck, um, and, and eBay, um, those, those are the places where I quote unquote find things. Um, and you know, the way that I think about it is you can still find things on eBay. You can still find things in antique stores, you know, where once once they make it to the advanced collectors, the dealers, the specialty auctions, then then at that point, in my opinion, that those items have been found. You know, if they were to sell, they're they're priced yeah. appropriately. But um, yeah, I you know one one really neat. There's one antique store that I've been in a hundred times in a booth that I'd bought things out of before for you know not not I don't even think they were sports things. I think they were gifts for somebody else. And you know. It, 
one of the things I've learned is is when you're in an antique store, you want to find the junkiest booths possible as far as not the items, but how much stuff is in there. And then you want to start digging because that's where you find the, that's where you find the best things, kind of the items that have been forgotten. And so I just happened to look down, and there was there was like a a, a banker's box, just a box on on the a bottom shelf, and I pulled it out. I had no idea what it was, and it was full of football equipment and. Um, so oh, yeah. I had a, a pair of shul- had a pair of shoulder pads in it, had some, uh, and they, and they weren't great. They're, they're on, on display, but, uh, had some 1930s cleats and then had a pair of, of, uh, you know, 1900 to 1910 pants. And so that was a great find and, you know, it was just sitting in a box and, and priced very, very attractively. And so that's, that's kind of how I have to collect most of the time. I, I've, I've I kind of dig through antique stores and and have a million eBay searches saved and you know turn over every rock that I can. So it's yeah, that's now if you want to collect Oklahoma things and and all that, yeah, you can find you can find that if if you're really into you know 40s, 50s and that sort of thing. But when you're trying to find turn of the century stuff, it's it's not real common around here. So you got you got to work pretty hard at it. Or well, not. Uh that herd of people doing that Jim Thorpe search, you know, on eBay and all the various ways you can search it is, is pretty, mm-hmm. you're pretty good company. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, I know for a fact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah. Me included. I, you know, I, it, you know, it's a weekly thing, but you know, also kind of a, you know, bored, you know, bored, let, you know, let me take a quick peek, but yeah, uh, lately I'm distracting myself with football wax packs, but yeah. It's, uh, yeah, keep doing, keep doing that. Leave, leave, leave the Thorpe stuff for us. <laughs> I love it. But how cool is that? Just, I don't know. It's just, you know, yeah, West Coast envy because, you know, nothing, nothing cool. There's no football history that, you know, starts with, well, in Portland, Oregon, you know. So. <laughs> but, I mean, there's many tick gaps if you put them, but I haven't been able to find anything. So, long story short, I found a lot of tick gaps around town southward, and the guy I do think he's got actual spots on the shelf looking for it. It's all life magazine, the clothes on it from the 50s. And I talked about it from the guys, and I asked him how much he wanted for it. And he says, I said, well, I collect football. So he gave me the price. I paid him no problem. And uh, I asked him, did he have football stuff? He said, well, I don't know. What do you call it? Like a, uh, a search area, like a burn. He used a, a particular word for it. Um, stuff. I'll start pulling some football stuff. I'll bring it into the start. So uh, pretty interesting. You know, you never know what you're going to find anywhere you go. It's simple. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You expect that you'll find something. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. How can you pull this piece of is real or a reproduction? Do you have any any guide to go by uh, that you can Well, yeah, yeah, you know, I I think I think like I said before, I've at least the stuff that I collect, I've I've kind of been building a database over over time. So it's it's a lot of it's 
it's really just for me it's it's research knowing the history um, of these college posters like they're they were printed in specific sizes and so if something isn't sized right you know you know that it's probably not going to be real and there there are a lot of reproductions because a lot of these um the the library of congress has mm -hmm. has scanned some of these in and um, you can actually go in and you can print them out as, as reproductions. And so um, you, you, you kind of need to know the, the paper stock, the size, and then all, you can always look at, at, at the printing. You know, one of the things that, that people do, like they do with cards, is you look at the – you can kind of zoom in with a, with a loop and, and look at the print dots and see if they are, are accurate with, with the error of printing. And so um, – and then, you know, paintings are going to are gonna look like paintings. So – it, it's what I collect. It's it, it's like anything else. I mean, you you got to you got to know what you're going to buy, especially if you're going to spend a lot of money on it, because you can get burned pretty easily. And I think at some point, as collectors, we've all bought something that after we bought it, we're like, oh yeah, that wasn't uh, that wasn't what I thought it was, and ho hopefully you didn't take a bath on it. I've also bought stuff and went, oh, shoot, I should not have bought that. And then uh -huh. you know, a year later, wow, I'm really glad I bought that. <laughs> so, Yeah, I've, I've done that. I've done that, too. I know a lot of people, you know, you know what, what's on your want list? I mean, and I know sometimes you, you don't know what you want until you see it. You're like, holy moly, I didn't even know that existed. I mean, right. other than you know, breaking into the coveted Steve Largent segment of the hobby, hobby, you know, what is on your <laughs> wall list? Well, you, you know, you know, Largent, Largent's an Oklahoma guy too. You haven't, you, yeah. you keep talking about Thorpe, but you know, Largent and, and I'll, I'll go off script for a real quick. You'll appreciate this, Joe. I, my 11 year old son decided for who knows what reason to be a Seattle Seahawks fan. And so I am. I am taking him. I'm surprising him this weekend. We're flying to Houston, and he's going to his first NFL game. And, he, and we're going to go see wow. the Seattle Seahawks. So we will. We will see their current iteration of Steve Largent, DK Metcalf. That is my son's favorite player. I'm, so. uh, I'm looking at a uh, Steve <laughs> Largent for governor bumper sticker hanging. You know, hanging by my desk. Uh, and yeah, he the, managed the he managed to goof rare. that up, but that's another podcast. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That he really meant it. Yeah. yeah. But wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so you'd asked about want list. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got I've got a handful of things that you know I mentioned earlier. I've got a Hibbard Klein poster that I love. Hibbard Klein that I he's got a few others that I would love to have. Um, a couple, a couple of them that are also those 22 by 28. So I've got a couple of posters of his now, but I'd love to have more of those. Those are at the top. And then, you know, I mentioned the Bristow Adams posters before, um, and and also John Sheridan, who was also part of that same series. Um, those those anytime you can come across those, I, I want those for sure. Um, Moses Blumenthal, who I mentioned, you know, I have the poster. Um, he has another one called Touchdown, where there's a guy crossing the, the goal line as he's getting tackled, and that's a 22 by 28. It's a beautiful piece. So those are the those are the big display things. I do have a few things on my want list. You know, I still do collect some small things. Um, there's an obscure set of colleges called T49. Um, and in that T49 set, there's one football card, and it's Yale. 
Um, I had a chance many years ago to buy one that was in rough shape, um, and I didn't buy it at the time, and I regret it now because I don't know if I'll ever see another one again. So um, it's it's a pretty obscure tobacco set um, that um, you'll appreciate this one. What was the set again? T thirty nine. T forty nine. And it's uh, Schultz own tobacco. Yeah, Schultz own tobacco T forty nine, and it's it's a series of college scenes, and one of them has a a, a Yale uh, student holding a football, and it's a it's a neat little card. So, um, wow. and then I've got the yeah yeah, and then I've got a few Thorps. Um, um, I've got the Thorpe that's on every advanced Thorpe collector's list that there's only one that anybody knows that exists. I know, Joe, you probably know what I'm talking about, right? There's only one that exists? Or one one that's known to exist, the uh, Capital, Capital Candy uh, oh, yeah. Jim Thorpe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Ama- amazing card. I forgot about that. Yeah. The problem is I know the guy who owns it. And, you know, about once a year I do the obligatory, like, you know, hey, just uh, seeing how things go and how's the fam. But in reality, just making sure he knows them out there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Boy, I'm assuming someday that, will, someday that may go to auction and it's going to be, it's going to cost a fortune. But it's, it's an amazing card. And I think we all kind of dream of going on eBay and finding the second one. So. Um, so that one's on the list. There is a uh, there's an obscure cigar display of Jim Thorpe that I have a picture of. Don't know where I got that picture of it from, and it's it's from that same era of 1912. Um, if I ever found one of those, that would be amazing. It's Ruskin Skin cigar, um, hmm. and and then uh, there's also a uh, a postcard of the uh, 1913 New York Giants. Um, down in Texas, and that one has Thorpe in it. And that's a postcard that I'd like to add to my collection. That's probably the most realistic one of the Thorpe items that I, I can find. You just you, you just poured salt in the wound just thinking of that 1912 Sacramento card. And it's such a cool <laughs> card. It is. And, it you is. know, it's not even yeah. a rookie card, really. I mean, there's, you know, you've got the, I don't know, you've got postcards, you've got, you know, I don't know. There's things prior to that, but just that one's special. You know, you know because why? Because it's color. It's color. Just like the artwork that I collect. Once you add color, yeah. it, it just makes it more beautiful. Yeah. That, that is an amazing yeah. that is Definitely an amazing card, to say the least. Well, who knows? I mean, you never know what's out there. So that's that's what right. About. That's amazing. Yeah. Casey. Yeah. Um, now you just reach out. I got to reach out to that guy again and <laughs> see how he's doing. Casey, I feel so contrite when I do it. But, oh, well. Sorry, Bob. You have any advice for a beginning collector in our hobby? Uh, you know, I would say I would say three things. Um, have have a broad knowledge and a narrow focus. Um, knowing knowing about a lot of things and a lot of collectibles is great because sometimes you I buy items that I don't necessarily collect, but I know it's a good deal because I have a broad knowledge, um, and I can use that someday down the road for something that I do want. 
but by having a narrow focus, I, you know, I don't end up with one of these things where my wife looks at me and goes, um, your collection's taking over our house. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to figure something out. So for me, I, I believe broad knowledge, narrow focus. Um, also, also don't go it alone. Uh, honestly, I spent most of, most of my time collecting just kind of on my own, doing my own thing. And it's, it's been in, in more recent years that I've, I've really started to, to kind of get to know people in the hobby. And, and I realized how much I missed out, not, not uh, enjoying the, the hobby with others. And so um, finding others that, that have similar passions, you know, there's lots of groups that, we're, that, that you can get involved in um, that, that you can share. And, and it's just a lot more fun that way. And then um, I think I, I mentioned this one earlier. If you really want it, buy it then because you may never get another chance. So. Um, I, I have more stories of things that I haven't bought um, that I regret than things that I was just that I just jumped on. So that's something probably more recent. It's like if you really want it, you yeah. need to buy it because you may never get a chance again. Yeah, I like that. What you Broad knowledge, narrow focus is such a cool way to put it. Because yeah, good, very good way to put it. I like that. You know, it's interesting because you said broad knowledge, and that that brings back in my mind one of, probably my one of my greatest learning experiences I had. This is back in the early 1990s. I worked for a small card shop in um, near where I lived in Connecticut, and the name of the name of the was Collectible Investments, and he just didn't have cards, sports cards. He had everything. He had Star Wars yeah. uh, toys. He had uh, other toys and original boxes. He had stamps. He had coins. He had political uh, items. He had a lot of paper items and a lot of uh, what amounted to be very rare paper items that he would uh, sell at a show in Hartford, Connecticut, which was called Paper Mania. And long story short, he talked about stuff about a lot of different areas of different hobbies and different collections. And you're right; you can buy something that isn't in your, you know, your collection. But you can make a really good buy, turn it over, and take that same money and put it into your collection. And that's something I learned, I learned a long time ago. And uh, it's, it's very interesting to me. And it's interesting to see other things, too, at the same time. Yeah. As far as other, yeah. other collectibles, other items, you know, that people. Hmm. Nice. I like it. Broad knowledge, and you're right. I mean, think about all this stuff that we, you know, know about that are familiar with. I mean, how many times are you at a party or, you know, a friend says, you know, hey, what do you think of, you know, these, you know, baseball cards, you know, or whatever, and it's just, and, just, and we're, we know about them. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can tell you, I can tell you what years these baseball cards are from and I can tell you who the best players are and how you want high numbers and this and that, but do I collect any of it? No, no, but it, it, it pays to know that stuff. It definitely does. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, the more knowledge anybody, the more knowledge anyone has in any hobby and the more general knowledge you have, the more historical knowledge you have, so on and so forth. It's, it's very, very helpful in uh, collecting and uh, that's a very good point that you brought up and uh, I'm glad you did because it's it's kind of overlooked in our in our hobby in a, in a, to a large degree 
because people are tend to be very over specialized in things, and then they miss out on a lot of other things. So that, yeah. that's that's yeah. a good point. I like it. Casey, any other final yeah. thoughts? No, no. I, this has been fun. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. You know, like I said just a minute ago, um, I, I, I went it alone for a long time, just kind of in, in thinking I would enjoy the hobby more by myself. But uh, as I get to know more great people like you all, um, it, it makes the hobby a lot more fun. So I really appreciate the opportunity to, to spend some time with you. Well, thank you for being on, Casey. And like I said, I've, I've over the years have seen and talked to people with some incredible collections, and, and it truly astounds me to see what people have in their collections. And uh, I truly thank you for sharing it with our audience uh, tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you, you know, for coming on. We're going into our two-minute warning. I'm going to hand off to you. Would you pick up on tonight's show? That son of a bitch better not out-ace me on any Jim Thorpe stuff on eBay. Another Jim Thorpe collector. Just it, it, It's, boy, I, I, I was going to ask him what keywords he was, you know, looks for, but I, I just, Jim Thorpe or Kent Bulldogs or, you know, I've got, I've got like three, I think, and it gets a little tedious sometimes. And then I stop and I go, man, there's, I, I can think of four or five people who are out there trying to outgun me every day on it, you know, and it's just, it's funny. Or how bad would you feel if, you know, if you did a search and like, hey, recently ended, check out this 1912 Sacramento. You know, some guy named, you know, some guy named, you know, Jeff Payne bought it for, you know, $450 because nobody knew what it was. <laughs> or, and then or, I have to bite my tongue, you know, Jeff posted up bragging about it. And you're just like, damn it, that should have been mine. Well, that's, again, it all goes to show, you know, you got to spend the time, which you do anyway. You know, well, looking yeah. for stuff, and you got to got to be knowledgeable about what what you're looking at. And it, it's amazing to me, eBay still presents. Uh, it, you know, I call it the wild, wild west out there, because you never know what you're going to see on there. You never know, in a lot of cases, if it's legitimate or not legitimate, and you don't know who you're up against trying to bid on something with it. So it's yeah. uh, it's pretty amazing, pretty amazing to see. And again, eBay's evolved very dramatically over the years. Anyways, uh, to me, it's more of a more of a uh, fixed price uh, buy it now type of uh, website rather than the true auction house that it started out to be, you know, many many years ago. So it's pretty interesting to see. Casey's got a great great collection, and I enjoyed hearing about the artwork, yeah. which is uh, I think kind of overlooked in our hobby. Uh, yeah, to say the totally. people. People collect many different specific things, basically cards, publications, and the like. But uh, he's into the artwork, and I think that's pretty, pretty cool and pretty neat. Yeah, it, the I, pictures he sent over of his artwork were really cool. It was very nice. It is. Uh, they were beautiful, beautiful pieces. All right, we're almost uh, we're running out of time. If you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats Magazine, what are you waiting for? Check out our website, <laughs> gridirongreatsmagazine.com. And just a quick plug uh, for the rest of the month with our shows, uh, our 75th issue, 75th issue will be coming out in January. We, uh, we're going to have it out the middle of the month. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, a lot of our theme of 75 will be prevalent in that, in that issue. All right, final thoughts, 30 seconds, Joe. And it off to you one more time. 
<laughs> Outstanding. I, I love seeing other people's collections and things they're passionate about and, you know, narrowly focused. Love it. Thanks for being a guest, Casey. That was a good show. Yeah, that's yeah, great. I, I enjoyed uh, a, a very, very different view of a collection tonight, and uh, it's pretty cool. And I love those pictures he sent to us. All right, we're almost yeah, yeah. out of time. Thanks for being on. We'll be back uh, hopefully next week with another show. And until that time, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.